Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. My name is Gary. This is Mike. And this is Daniel. And I'm practicing my radio voice. I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, welcome to Resilience Part 2. In our previous episode, we talked a little bit about the different expert systems that kind of fall into the headline resilience. Uh, Just to recap, it was intention, self-care, accountability, study, reflection, and recovery support. Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about the other six. Very good. Let's define again resilience uh, as per as per our common counselor Shane. I, I just I just love this this description. The ability resilience is the ability to play a poor hand well. Each one of us have played cards before, and there's nothing worse than being dealt a really lousy hand. Sure. I mean, th- this now makes more sense. I mean, there's been several times that I've been you know in session with Shane. He's like, you know, you got dealt a really sucky hand. Yeah. But you still are are. St- moving along you're right. still trying to get a better hand and i'm like now that makes sense that makes right. complete sense. now that makes more sense yeah. to me absolutely it does and and you're still in the game it, yeah. and it means you've got a you've got a you got a turn to take and a, and a move yeah. to make you know that's just right the, the gambler from kenny rogers <laughs> is, is running through my head now no one to fold him no one oh, to hold no him. oh dear <laughs> there'll be no sleep tonight <laughs> all right guys nope. so um I got the easy ones. You did. No, I did not. <laughs> you did. These are some deep ones. All right. The first one that we're going to talk a little bit about is intuition. Yeah. That's one uh, for me that I've had to really work on. That's definitely something, you know, I wasn't really allowed to develop in my intuition. And that's something that I've always, you know, especially with my mari- my last marriage, uh, as growing up as a kid, you know, I had gut feelings, but they were always like, nope, that's wrong. That's wrong. And so I learned that, no, those weren't real. You know, and so, you know, especially over the last couple of years, I've had to really rely on the, you know, that is something. I need to pay attention to that. Right. If, you know, if something is nagging at me, like, wow, that's my intuition speaking mm-hmm. that I need to, to move forward with that. Um, for example, uh, you know, recently I just, you know, with a job offer, mm-hmm. I hadn't, you know, they gave me an offer and I'm like, ah, oh, can I deal with that? Like in the past, it was, I was like, okay, they give me an offer, I would just take it. And this time I'm like, I just had this feeling of, no, I need, I need to go back. And, you know, and, and I did. And it turned out favorably. Um, and that's because I'm following that intuition where in the past I just ignored it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to, I got to think of how to say this. I think that developing your intuition is more than just listening to it i think the more that you develop it it actually becomes better i think oh it right. does yeah it, you know what i mean mm-hmm. a, a little more accurate it, it's yeah. something that you can that, that if you if you nurture it and pay attention to it that that it that it actually becomes more part of in, who you are more intuitive yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but it's, yeah. intuitively speaking, it's yeah. not this. It's not like this little meter of our flutters a little bit, and you're like, "Oh, should I pay attention to that?" It eventually mm-hmm. is like, "Whoa, wait a minute, there's something not right here." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's reflect on it. Yeah, and then identify it, and then we move forward. Right, and it, it, we kind of fall back on you know accountability and reflection and intentionality there. 
I think it's I think it's a couple of things. I, I I do believe that it is just this little it's this little flutter, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The difference is is that through our addiction, our addictive behaviors, that we became desensitized to those little flutters, yeah. if you will. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that recovery is now bringing the sensitivity back. And so the more we work our recovery, the more we focus on doing the sorts of things that puts us in a good place, we become more and more sensitive to those little flutters, yeah. if, you will, if that's how we describe them. But it's a, it's a variety of different things. But it's the sensation of just saying, you know, that doesn't. That doesn't sit well. That doesn't feel right. That yeah. doesn't whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, it paying, does. or it does. Or it does. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And I'm paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you went back on your job offer to yeah. say, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's uh, that's not that's not going to work for me. Yeah. Uh, and how that's paid off for you in dividends. Yeah. Right. So, you know, recovery has given you the sensitivity to to say, mm, I'm not I'm not sure I'm willing to take that. Oh yeah. No, I mean in the past I would I would have taken a job and it would I like. And then it would be less it. money. Yeah. It'd be less money mm-hmm. than I was mm-hmm. making before, and then I'm working harder. Yeah, and I'm regretting it. I'm just I'm hating it. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I right. don't like the job. And then at the same time, I'm secretly looking for another one, which is not fun to do right. either. No. So I, I think that's a. I think it's a. It's a big part of life. Yeah. You know those, yeah. those intuitions. I I honestly believe that each one of us have some some level of and you can call it whatever you want to call it i know there are lots of circles that call it a variety of different things but i believe that people have some level of intuition that I goes agree. on yeah and and, and addiction uh, addiction really dulls the senses to oh, that I, oh yeah i think i think addiction intentionally deadens it it does i agree i, I with think that. that's one of the things that you're trying to numb away right right which interestingly enough one of the way things that we've described about addictive behavior is mm-hmm. that sensation of of being past feeling, right. right? Yeah, we're literally emotionally dead to those sorts of those sorts of intuitive things that come our way. Mm-hmm. So, it's a it's a great topic. It is, and it plays really well into the next one. Yes, which is spirituality. Now, I love this one so much. This is this plays right into your step eleven. Yes. You know, there are so many ways that you need to develop this. But I loved, I love that it singled out and, and um, I love that it singled out in such a way that you have to pay attention to it and acknowledge that my spirituality is something that I do, in fact, need to develop. Yes, this is an aspect of who and what I am that needs some attention. Right. You know, and, oh, there's so, you know, to... To, to develop the connection to something much bigger than yourself is is powerful. I agree. There's a lot of meaning there that can mm-hmm. be found there. I will tell you my observation so mm-hmm. far. If there is a mass casualty associated with addiction, it's spirituality. I agree. Oh yeah. I, there, if I I don't I don't sit in a room ever with any group of people. And talk about addiction in any way, shape, or form, that the topic of spirituality isn't a part of that discussion. And just the, the sense of hopelessness, helplessness, anger, frustration, everything associated with with their frustration at a higher power and what they believe that they, um, they thought they knew when they were growing up or mm-hmm. that they lost or whatever. There is nothing but despair associated with that topic when it comes to when it comes to um, addictions and uh, any addiction of any type, right? And so, I'm a I'm a big time advocate 
I think I've mentioned that a thousand times even on these podcasts that I think it's it, it behooves each one of us to figure out how it was that sort of this faith of our understanding the spirit and I, I won't even say religion or religiosity mm-hmm. I don't but but we've got to figure out how that relationship with higher power exists was damaged, was yeah. damaged and and we need to understand how it works in each one of mm-hmm. us and uh, because I to some extent there is no doubt in my mind particularly in the household I grew up in there's no doubt in my mind that that the that the relationship that I had with a higher power was a big part of my acting out behavior mm-hmm. as a young child. What I mean by that is that maybe I'm not saying that incredibly well. It's it's the fact that I felt like I cried out however many times in the middle of the night. It was basically like, look, take this problem. I know this is a problem. I'm, my mom and dad aren't going to understand this in any way, shape, or form. Please help me out here. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. And so, so to come back to that to now as a as an adult at 58 years old, and spend some time with that and understand that in it with an adult developed brain has been the most rewarding piece for me of anything. So so for me, I mean, spirituality and, you know, with addiction, I think you're right. Um, it's this giant pit of despair, of darkness and hopelessness that we've dug. You know, yeah. we've, we've continued to dig, dig deeper and deeper and deeper to the point that no matter how loud we yell, no one can hear us. Mm. But when we take on this spirituality it's like this little glimmer of hope we right. light this little candle that we can follow and climb up this hill till we can see get out and see the light right and as long as we know that light is there you know we can you know we believe that there is someone listening to us yeah. even though things aren't transpiring yet and i think even the act of lighting that that candle per se is that that hope that okay there is someone here because like you know, if if there wasn't this this candle wouldn't have been lit. This right. hope wouldn't mm-hmm. be there. But there's enough there, and there's always been, and you know, and our higher power, whatever. I do think they've listened. But you know, again, there's agency, yep. and even though we're crying out, take this away, it's like, well, I know you want me to. You say it, but you're not doing it, and yeah. until you get to a point of doing then I can actually start doing stuff. And I think that's where we have to get, you know, when we hit rock bottom, we're finally at that point where, okay, I'm willing to do the next right thing, whatever I need to do to get better. And then that's when that our higher power can say, all right, now I can step in because we've made that, that decision. Because otherwise we're just being rebellious. Yeah. You know, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, you know, when we when we take the impulse of the moment and we make it paramount in our lives over everything else, mm-hmm. which is what addicts do, right? It might even be an adequate definition of addiction to a certain degree. You know, when you when you make the impulse of the moment, whatever it might be, whatever that drug of choice is, and that becomes paramount in your life, then then that that becomes your god, right? You, you know, to which you sacrifice all, right? Right. You know, and and you you very much can create a, your own. You can take your life and create your own little corner of hell. Oh, you know, you can, you can make yourself just absolutely wretched, miserable, and hopeless. Oh yeah, yeah. you know. Now, what the 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 biggest significance in my life is that I've been in that place, and I know very well what that feels like. Right, and like you said. Daniel, you know, you know, the first time that I was honest, 
first time that I was honest with the therapist and finally told another human being everything that I was dealing with, there was a fundamental switch. And he said, he looked at me and I, I thought that I thought there would be condemnation and, and all kinds of stuff about to rain down on me. And what I got was, now we can get to work. Yeah. And from that point on, everything was different. And right. it, because it put a little spark of hope. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in a and hopeless, it, absolutely in hopeless, yeah. absolutely yeah. hopeless yeah. circumstance, there was a little spark of hope. And then suddenly it's like, oh, okay. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to exercise some provisional beliefs. I'm going to exercise a little faith and I'm going to start working on that. Yeah. And we're going to see what's going to happen. And it didn't take, even though there was so much to do and so many consequences that needed to be cleaned up, for the first time in my adult life, I felt hope and I yeah. felt connected. I started to feel worth, right? you know, and, and I attribute all of that to taking the steps because just as easily, just as easily as you can sculpt your life into a hell, you can make it into a heaven, you, can, yeah. you know, and it. And I think a, that actually yeah. ties in really well with perspective. Yeah, right? which is what I wanted to, I was going to feed right into this. In fact, yeah. you know, a lot of times lying in bed, asking God or your higher power to take this from you, you know, too often. We have such a narrow perspective. Mm-hmm. We do. You know, yeah. and there's a couple of ways I want to, to talk about perspective. I mean, first of all, it's so invaluable, and this can go right back to your recovery support. It's so invaluable to have the perspective of other people, too, mm-hmm. yeah. to kind of check where you're at. And to give you a broader view. But when you can learn to look at your life, when you can learn to look at your life, not not just as what I'm doing in this moment, but also as a almost a community of you across your life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the decisions I make today are going to affect the me to- of tomorrow. You know, and the me of tomorrow, am I going to be grateful for the decision I made today? Right. And, and realize, realize that that when you cry out for relief from this, that, that, you know, I, I cried out, I cried out for release from this for a very, very long time. And the moment, the moment I was ready to actually do what was necessary to do it, it was there. It was there. Just yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, and it just, that was a lot of work. It was a yeah. lot of work, but yeah. it came, Yeah. you know, and, and I've, I've often reflected, there's another one, I've often reflected back over my life and I've thought, you know, I, I don't think that I was ever abandoned. I think I had to get to a certain place to where that that change could be affected. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yep. that's perspective. But I, I like the idea of, uh, the Sage 3 book uses this wonderful relativity comparison about a train. And I know that we've mentioned it before, but you got to think of yourself as a passenger on the train, moving from car to car, you know, sometimes you're in the sleeping car and sometimes you're in the, in the, you know, dining car, dining car yeah. whatever, you know, but you've also got to look at yourself from the perspective of the person on the hill that can see the train and its entire journey mm-hmm. and knows what's coming. Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit about self-care and sometimes I'd jump in bed and say, ah, oh, I don't want to brush my teeth, you know, screw you tomorrow, Gary, but they know I better get up and do it. And then in the morning it's like, oh. I'm so glad I brushed Thank my teeth. you last night, Gary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you saved me again. You, but you, but you see what I mean? Oh yeah, there, absolutely. There's, there's a perspective, and you've got to you've got to 
learn to look at yourself as a, a work in progress and the kind of work in progress that takes a lifetime to complete. Right. Yeah. I mean, my perspective's definitely changed over the years because I remember I always thought of this addiction as a curse. Like, mm-hmm. wow, why was I cursed with this? Out of everything in the world, why, yeah, this? why this? You know, and now that's changed. That perspective has changed yeah. to something more, gra- mm-hmm. gra- you know, based in gratitude. Like, wow, if it wasn't for everything I've gone through, you know, all these people that I've helped because of my, you know, what I've gone through, my so-called curse, you know, I have a very unique set of skills because of it right. and a, a unique set of circumstances that relate with other people. And because of that, I can talk to them. I can yeah. empathize with them. I can know what that's like and I can help them out when they're in those darker places. And something that I once thought is a curse is now a gift. Yeah. It's a tool yeah. that I, I can use to help others. And it's such an amazing shift in that perspective because now it doesn't weigh me down. Right. Mm-hmm. It's something that, okay, you know, that was then, this is now, and who can I help? What can I do moving forward? Which is another reason why we made this podcast. Yeah. I'm actually going to add an interesting take on the topic here. We're talking about perspective and about spirituality yes. almost sort of simultaneously. I'm going to add a perspective here that may or may not be accurate, but it's my perspective. My perspective is is that I don't believe that anybody will find true recovery until they've tackled the elephant in the room, which in a lot of cases is the topic of spirituality. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe that it's possible to get past that. And I think I don't think it's any small thing that when we start talking about the that, steps, that that steps two and three yeah. are right at the very front of what we talk about. Step one, I have a problem. Step two, <laughs> That's right. there's something that can solve it. That's right. And I can't. What does it say? <clears throat> step one, I can't. Step two, he can. Step three, I'm going to let I'm gonna him. I'm going to let him do. I'm yep. going to let him. Yeah. So there's, there's. That's not mm-hmm. by. That's not just no. by happenstance. No, it's not. So my point is, is that, and I, I, I don't think I'm stepping too far out on a limb when I say, that's an elephant in the room that every addict is going to have to address. They're going to have to deal with that particular topic mm-hmm. in terms of how, that played into their addictive behavior and therefore how it's going to play in their recovery. It has to come out. Yes. It simply does. And I don't think true recovery can occur until somebody does. That's my perspective on I the topic of spirituality. agree. Okay. I just wanted Absolutely, to I put do. that out there. Uh, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of people who, if there's a casualty at all, if there's a casualty of addictive behavior, it's that very topic. It's interesting to me. It's interesting to me that in a lot of, in a lot of ways... It can almost be the, f- well, I almost want to say it can be the first casualty. Yes. You know. I think you're and, right. And it's so interesting to me that, you know, the 12 steps are described as a spiritual recovery. Yes. It's a spiritual process. That's right. You know. Oh, it's a spiritual process that, that, that you go through. Um, and and that, that's, not, that's not by accident. Either. No, I don't think so at all. <laughs> I don't think so at all. Because no, you're absolutely right, and there's there's a reason that it's so that your higher power, God, is so intimately intertwined with all of the st- all of the steps yes. of recovery. Yes, you know, because you really do have to get right with your higher power. You what, do, you know, and and I will tell you that with step eleven kind of stuff, your um, understanding and perspective of who and what that is deepens dramatically. Absolutely. If you 
absolutely. You it has to. You have to it has to. to. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, that's uh, no. Wanted to throw that out there because I, I I think I see so many people who want to gloss over those steps and say, look, I this is not a good experience for me. I'm scooting past this, and I'm like, I I don't see how you can. And do, do you know what? It's kind of strange that that even even in the confines of our podcast and just the three of us here, it's almost like we approached it a little gingerly, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, that, that too That's is a great point, but yeah, but no, that <laughs> it's out there. It is. It has it to is. be out there. And it has to be, has to be addressed, has to be addressed. Yeah. So our next one is consciousness. I lo- consciousness. I love I'm not, I'm not aware of, of <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're a bit oh, unconscious is what you're trying wide. to say. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I was just, I, I love this word. I, um, it suggests a presence. It suggests an awareness of... of I uh, like the word presence. Yeah, it, uh, it, it suggests to my mind anyway the idea that I have to be aware of my surroundings. I have to be aware of the people in my life. I have to be... And so much of this addiction has dulled the senses around consciousness. Right. Do you know what? Not only do you have to be aware of the environment around you, and you have to be aware of what you're feeling, but then you have to be aware of how your feeling is connected to the environment around yes. you. You know, it, it's, yes. it, it, you've got to, yeah, you just got to be conscious and, and uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know how to quite to. I'll, I'll use the example of driving. Driving, dri- I think driving brings out some interesting things in people. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it on the news here just recently of an individual that, uh, it's just that the, the road rage experiences are just really interesting to me now right. because I was a part of all that. Right. right. I drive about 30 miles one way, 35 miles one way to get to my office. And I um, and I will tell you that, that driving in today's environment is a hand-to-hand combat every day. But my point is is that I used to be drawn into that. There was a day I remember driving home in a, in a, a big 18-wheeler truck, and I kind of got into it, and we were all the way back and forth to the point where he was almost pushing me off the road. And uh, I think about that because that's who I was at that point in time. And I th- when I think about this this consciousness kind of idea is, is how do I get drawn into a place where I would allow myself to be in, to literally be stupid, right? To yeah. be, to think that you I, were gonna lose that <laughs> I was going to lose that fight. And that's literally where I think that's what happens to a lot of us is, is that we get drawn into a place that we wouldn't necessarily... And wouldn't always go. And we get consumed. We get consumed by it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Consciousness. No, I like I, I like the idea of being aware. I like the idea of paying attention and, and keeping your eyes and your thoughts open to the things that are going on around you and the people that and what's and going on. And the people that are in there. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of how many times I made decisions not even giving any consideration or thought to how that would affect my wife or my family. Well, that's a skill that takes a lot of practice to master, doesn't it? Does. It does. It really I mean, does. at least for me and my addiction, I was not aware of the right. ripples. You right. know, I was just like, oh, it's just affecting me. It's not damaging or hurting anyone oh, else. Dear. But then, you know, after uh, years of this, you look back and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. I wasn't lobbing a, a, a teeny pebble into the pond. I was throwing a freaking boulder in right. there. And right. the you know the ripples were just hitting everything and sloshing like in the tsunami pond. tsunami level yeah. waves of, yeah. Yeah, and... You know, and I mean, I'm still dealing with some of those act after effects with my older kids, which, you know, is not fun. No, no. Um, you know, my oldest daughter is getting married in October and I may not be at the wedding and I have to accept that yeah. as part of one of those consequences. 
I'm not the door isn't completely closed, but you know it's just it's cracked. Not, it's, it's cracked open. open yeah, it, it, there's a crack there. Yeah. You know, I have to wait for her to be able to step forward and, and come to me and say, "Okay, I'm ready." Um, but that's one of those those side effects, and it's because I was not conscious of what yeah, was going you, on around me. And Daniel, you make such a good point. I can't imagine how. Do you know what? it's kind of strange because in a lot of ways I think back. I think back to the years when I was, or the moments when I was most active in my addiction. Mm-hmm. Right. And do you know what? I can't remember the events that were going on in my life around those times. Yeah. Right. You, right. you know, like things that should have been significant. Like, oh, you, don't you remember when this? I was like, no, I was so yeah consumed and and oh god. Well, yeah, I mean, my older kids are like, yeah, yeah. there was things that happened, and I we we want you to, t- you know, say you're sorry for X Y Z, and I'm like. I don't even remember that. <laughs> I don't even remember. Actually. You know, and it, and it's yeah. because I was so consumed and yeah. I don't. And so I just have to say, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. I was in the wrong. Yeah. And just own it. You know, go back to being accountable. Right. You know, even though I don't remember. I mean, I could easily just say, that never happened. What are you talking about? Yeah. Then that's just me being in that crappy place, yeah. gaslighting. <laughs> being and unconscious yeah. of what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> not being conscious and not taking accountability. Yeah. Consciousness. Because point. I'm pretty sure they're right. Yeah. I, I yeah. Was we were unconscious. Crappy. Yeah. We lived a life of unconsciousness. Yes. So I want to remind all of our listeners right now that we're talking about the topic of resilience. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that these are expert systems. And when we say expert, we have to evaluate whether we're, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, are we a 1 or are we 10? But these are areas that we need to develop capability and mastery in yes. in order to develop resilience. That's what we're talking about here. Now, this isn't this isn't intended to be a comprehensive list or an exhaustive list, I guess I should say. It's yeah. fairly comprehensive but not exhaustive. And there may be things for each one of our individual listeners unique to them that we're not talking about. So just be aware of that. But again, this topic of resilience, the ability to play a poor hand well. Love that definition. So and the other thing I would add to this is, you know, as you're working your recovery, you may not be you know, some may be high, some may be middle, some may be low. You need to work on these. No one's gonna be perfect across the board. That's right. That's right. Great point. Great point. And the next one uh, we've talked about consciousness. The next one is compassion. Yeah. Compassion. Um, compassion. Compassion. This yeah. one, uh, the hardest one for me was being compassionate towards myself. Yeah. Yeah. It was easier to be compassionate towards others in my, you know, during my addiction and stuff like that. But even then was kind of false. You know, it wasn't as good as it could have been. But it was still a lot better than I ever gave myself. Uh, the description I give more than anything is is that uh, uh, is to be sitting in a room uh, again. That the description is past feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And past feeling was to see others affected mm-hmm. by either the, the things that I did wrong or the things that I didn't do or whatever the case may be, who were affected in my world and not caring. Yeah, I mean it was a, it was a, it was a, a place of just well, you hurt me. And so this is this is just me getting even with oh, yeah. you. I, it was a it was a space of of non compassion if I've ever yeah. been there, and I, I did, that's a place I never want to go back to. And if it wasn't that type, it was oh I'm not comfortable with this, so I'm going to crack a joke. That's right. Or I'm going to change the subject to something else that yeah. I can feel okay that's with. That's right. That's right. Those are all very real, uh, very real experiences yeah. in my universe. So yeah, I, that compassion was a. 
that's a difficult one for me. And, I, and, and quite honestly, you know, you just don't turn the page on that overnight. Mm-hmm. That takes no. years to develop. That just simply does. Yeah, I'm still working on that one. Yeah. I mean, there are times where I, I still, you know, my younger kids, I have to sit down. You know, I see, I can start seeing things because I'm, I'm being more in- attentive. I'm being following that intuition. You know, like, for example, my boy walks into his room and I, I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah. So I walk in there and I'll sit down. What's going on? You know, and then he'll start talking to me. Like, maybe I said something. You know, I didn't mean it in, in a way, but I, I, my voice slightly raised. And he took that as me yelling at him. Mm-hmm. And so we would sit there and we'd talk. And, but I'd have compassion and hear him out. And I was like, what are you talking You know, again, not being like, what are you talking about? I didn't raise my voice. Like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that upset you. Yeah. You know, and let him get those emotions out and let him talk about that and have compassion. I'm like, okay, how can I change that? Right. You know, he's six, but, you know, he gets to feel like, oh, wow, I have a voice and how I can change the situation. Dad's actually paying attention. He's validating what I'm feeling. Because I remember as a kid, if I would have said that, it would have been, shut up. You know, what are you talking about? Yeah, I I know how that would have been at my house. My mom would have said, you're too sensitive. Oh, yeah. Or that, I would have got that. Why are you being a sissy type (laughs) uh, comment? You know, and it's just like. I, I don't want to instill that with my kids. Right. I want to show them something different, especially as I'm learning about this. And then when I step back from that, then I have to be compassionate towards myself. Like, oh, man, because, you know, there would be several times, even a couple of years ago, I'd come back like, oh, I'm a crappy dad. Right. Instead, it's like, okay, I made a mistake. Let's correct this. Yeah. So the next time, this isn't an issue for either of us. Good stuff. Good, Good stuff. stuff. All right, Gary, last one. All right. Mindfulness. Mindfulness. This one's got a great description right here on the page previous. I love this. Uh, maybe it's two pages. These are the, these are the, the, the things that I identify specifically with mindfulness. And I, there's some here that are... Improved focus and attention, mm-hmm. lowered stress, higher resistance to damaging effects cortisol the stress hormone right yes right uh emotional self-regulation is more effective reduced brain cell loss associated with aging reversed memory loss increased tolerance to pain many regions and part of the and parts of the brain became more dense consequently more functional capacity for making good decisions improved dramatically and cognitive performances improve significantly. Mindfulness. Mindfulness. Yeah. yeah. If there's a if there's a topic out there that I think most people are interested in, particularly in today's day day and age, it's peace. It's mm-hmm. this idea of peace. And one of the things that mindfulness talks about is this lowered stress. Lowered stress and emotional self regulation is more effective. Oh yeah. I, I'm I'm finding that every day as my recovery moves forward. I, Gary's famous for saying you know, I'm better today than I was yesterday sort of stuff. And yeah. I and I find that to be absolutely true, that the, the, the further along the recovery path that we move, that we're in a better place to lower stress, to deal with situations, to be much more resilient, which is really what we're talking about here, and able to, and able to deal with, with uh, uh, circumstances of life. Again, reminding me of the, the ninth step promise, that, that something along the lines that the things that used to baffle us <laughs> are now just happening naturally among us you know and i think that's fantastic i actually like how this one's the last one 
because if you look back at the list, each one of these are kind of, uh, you know, play into being mindful. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're being intentional, if you're, you know, have self-care, if you're being accountable, if you are studying and learning, all of these things can tie into being to into mindfulness yeah, wonder, very easily. I wonder if the order that these are presented isn't. Uh, I think it's an intentional decision. It probably is because it, it does. It does cars. seem to yeah to to build on itself quite yeah, a bit. It does. Yeah. It does. So I mean, mindfulness has been wonderful. I mean, again, there there are times where I can start feeling the stress or my yeah. anxiety, where in the past it was just that was that was immediately the sign to go, you know, go act out. Yeah. Now it's like. I can feel it starting. It's like, oh, well, I need to go do something. I need to, I need to go do some self-care. I yeah. need to go change the environment, lower my stress, mm-hmm. um, you know, go connect uh, right. with someone or, right. or do something, you know, whether that's a conscious act, whether that's go be compassionate and help someone. You know, it's a bunch of different things that allow me to lower that. And then I'm back in a good place because right. I'm very mindful of where I am. I'm mindful of my body you know my um the messages your body's telling yeah yeah where in the past it wasn't it was almost like i was on autopilot right and so now i'm very mindful of those things and i can you know self-correct yeah Mm -hmm. yeah good stuff well there it is gary i think we've talked about uh we've talked about 12 expert systems that lead us toward greater resilience all right guys remember resilience the ability to play a poor hand well yeah yeah and we get those every now and then yes we do a lot you know uh you may find that things are going really well and then you're dealt a bad hand but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you're out of the game like gary said Mm -hmm. you know you can lean on these these tools Uh these uh expert systems and still get through that game right and survive till the next round Yeah. yeah yeah great stuff great stuff So remember, you have a move to make and a turn to take. Yep. (laughs) And this is Gary telling you to do the next right thing. And this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.